Hello and welcome to the Casual Hour. I am your host, Bobby Pease. Joining me is that gamer on the go, Mr. Chase Kinnicky. Chase, we are back at it after a little break from Game of the Year. Yeah, like not that long of a break. I mean, for us, or for the listeners, it's been like a normal week, right? For us, we we just offset it by a week. So we've had like one week where we could just kind of do whatever we wanted to do and play whatever we wanted to play. And we've done a lot. We have. Uh, I know I took advantage of the time quite a bit. I'm looking at the list here, and I think we both have. I haven't had time to sleep or do anything. Yeah, and you uh, you visited your cousin and got to play I, all sorts of, of new bad titles for new, for new bad hardware. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I, yes. Uh, no, I had a great time. I went to Branson, uh, celebrated my cousin's birthday, got to take my mom and Sarah's parents. Uh, I was away from my, my PS4 and my Xbox for about five, te- five days. But I had a lot of time with the Switch, and that was a good time. I had, I had not had that intimate Switch time. Well, that is really nice. But, Bobby, let's get to something more important. I <laughs> have had a dream. Okay, like an epiphany? Uh, no, like an actual dream. And, okay. And, and I would like to share that with you and the listeners. This happened to me last night, and it was so vivid Actually happened to me this morning, I guess, because I immediately woke up and remembered enough of it to write it down. And I would like to share this dream with you and our listeners because I think it is relevant and game adjacent enough to uh, to deserve to be on this podcast. I I are you ready for this experience? I I am ready. And I will ask just one pre-qualifying question to your story. Yes. Did you eat before you went to bed last night? Like, late? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> okay. And if I was going to say, if you did, do you remember what you ate? Because there are a lot of effects on late night eating and particular foods for dreaming. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, maybe we can reverse engineer this. Maybe you can hear okay. the dream and you can figure out if I ate something beforehand. Okay. All right, Bobby, let me set the stage for you. Okay. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just going to read this. I emailed it to myself. Uh, yeah. And, I'm, you know, I am a writer by trade. So if this is, sounds really nice and flowery, well, that's because uh, I'm good at what I do. Anyway, <laughs> the dream. I see Hideo Kojima and Mads Mikkelsen sitting on a city bench together. Mads is cradled in Hideo's arms. I, and I'm me, like I'm, I'm walking by them and I ask if I can take a picture of them because holy shit, it's, it's Kojima and Mads Mikkelsen. Right. Uh, and, and they say no. And you know what? I, I understand. I wish them good luck on the game on death stranding. And, and then I start to leave as I'm leaving. They call me back over and have me take the photo. Like, I guess they were gracious enough to be like, okay, he, he was actually going to respect our time, so let's reward him. Um, the problem is it's bright behind me, so I really can't see the photo that I'm taking. Right. But I snap a few shots just for safety. I shake both of their hands, although 
it was very awkward because they both contorted their left hand <laughs> to come and shake my right hand. Okay. I, I don't know why. That's weird. <laughs> um, uh, and they had nothing in their right hands. So it's, this, this was them being weird. And, and it was great. And anyway, I walk away. I immediately look at the photos when I get to a shady spot. And they're all blurry and they're all trash. I, I can't even tell it's them. They're, they're not even in the shot. So I go back to the bench, but they've already started to leave. And I can see them like walking away. And I follow them. And then they duck into a, a shop, a nearby shop. So even though I should give up, I, I decide to, to follow them uh, into, this, into this shop here. And the shop ends up being a tattoo parlor. Oh, God. Both men are only wearing towels now, and they're getting <laughs> tattoos done. As well as, like, a handful of other toweled ladies in adjacent chairs. There's a lot of chairs here. Uh, way more than any tattoo parlor should have. Um, I, I bow deeply, because Hideo Kojima, Japan, uh, all sorts of tradition stuff and explain what happened, and they seem super understanding and agreed to do another photo. So, since they're in different chairs, uh, it's kind of hard to capture them both in a single shot. So, they're in the tattoo shop right now? Yes, they're in the the chairs, they're both kind of like laying in there, but they're like, yeah, hey, cool, we'll take take another photo. Uh, So, I'm, I'm like two, like if they're both laying down in the chairs, I'm on their right side. And it's okay. really hard to get them both in the shot. So I thought, okay, if I move to the front, I can, I'll have a better angle at them. So I, I move around to the front and I have to move around some other chairs. And as I do that, when I get there, Kojima has vanished. I can't, I, I have my, my phone in front of me trying to take the photo and I just can't see Kojima's face anywhere now. And I ask what happened to him. And there's an Asian man in the back row of these chairs who is very much not Hideo Kojima, just another Asian man. Sure. And, and he says that he's Hideo Kojima. And I know that it's not. So I continue right. to kind of wait until I see him. And then dramatic music starts to play. Like, think Metal Gear Solid music. And now... I'm moving from side to side in this front row of tattoo parlor chairs and I'm kind of ducking into cover and out of cover to try to find them with this phone screen. But all I'm seeing is Mads and a bunch of women and this imposter Hideo Kojima. So now, uh, Riot Shield techno soldiers. Uh, So like, think of... Like, guys in Metal Gear Solid, except they kind of also look like uh, the Hellgast from Killzone. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, this dream's going places. Uh, They start patrolling the rows of the tattoo chairs. So now I'm, like, really trying to duck down and take cover and and avoid them. But I'm also popping out because I want to get this photo. And I still cannot see Kojima anywhere. (laughs) Um, So now... Like I, I, I realize, okay, I don't see where Kojima is. I need to get back to where I was because at least I knew where he was beforehand. So I'll go back to the side. And as I go around to the side again, I run right into one of these, uh, one of these riot shield holding soldiers. And, and the riot 
shoulder um, uses a hydraulic punch okay. to like se- to send me flying into a wall in the back of the room. And this is all kind of happening in first person, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so now like you're, you're dramatically like the eyes closed and now like you're groggily kind of waking up. So it's, it's a little blurry, but you're starting to come to. And as I come to, this wall is cracked behind me. The lights are flickering. There's like electrical cables that are frayed and spewing sparks now. And this riot soldier is approaching me now. And then my vision starts to blur and it blurs completely. And now I see three written options in front of me, like like a game over screen in a video game where it's like, oh, what do you want to do? Do you want to do one of these three things? And the three things are continue, give up, and the third one is photo with Kojima and Mads Mikkelsen in front of a Toyota Prius. <laughs> and then the scene unblurs and the options disappear. And all I can do is call out, all I wanted was to take a photo of Hideo and Mads in front of a Toyota Prius. And then the soldier stops and everything stops. The room goes silent. And Mads Mikkelsen rushes up to my right side and he grabs my right hand with both of his hands. And he said, did you say Toyota Prius? And before I answer, Kojima rushes from the left side and grabs both of my, grabs my left hand with both of his hands and says, Toyota Prius deska in Japanese. And here's, here's the thing. I took some Japanese in college. I'm bad at Japanese. That might not be the correct sentence structure for how to, say like right. did you just say toyota prius right. but i'm i'm pretty sure that's how you ask the question in japanese so now i'm dreaming in japanese potentially bad japanese but that's whatever and i i look at him and i nod and they both look at me and then they look at each other and then they look back at me and then they both smile and they pull me up together and mads mickelson says let's take that photo and then i wake up Okay. Death Stranding 2019. <laughs> so, a few things here, Chase. Did I just see Death Stranding? That was Death Stranding. Now, <laughs> I'm going to have you understand a few things here. Like, what you don't know about me, and before we get down this pathway, uh, we are the Casual Hour. We are a video game podcast that we're going to take a Are we? Break. I think we're a we're dream th- podcast now. Well, we're about to get real dreamy. Uh, <laughs> We're about to get real dreamy. So here's what's going on. I, you don't know this about me. Okay. My entire life, I've been able to lucid dream. Sweet. I, I've never been able to do that. I have never had a dream this uh, vivid and this memorable when I woke back up. Like when I wake back up, I'll remember fragments or like my dream will be super abstract where like, oh, I woke up, but I'm in my childhood home. And then I walk right. to the next room, and it's actually the office that I work at. And then like, somebody talks to me, but it's like a person that I knew from high school that would never be in this place. And it's right. all really like bullshit. And this one, maybe it was just the same, but it because of Kojima and the Death Stranding well, stuff, it seems like it makes sense, but this one felt like it was really real. There's there's a few things here. I, I attribute my ability to do this from video games. So it ties back into video games. All right. And I know that you've been playing a lot of games. I've been playing a lot of games. 
because mm-hmm. uh, we've been in this little renaissance period between game of the year grind. I, but as you were talking, I was doing a little homework. And <laughs> okay. if you would allow, I've tried to chron- put this in chronological order here. All right, and hit me. I want, I want to give you some insights to what may or may not be happening in your dream. Uh, oh, God. All right, let's, let's do this. Okay, buckle up, folks. This is going to get real weird. Uh, let's start with the handshake because that one stood out to me. Um, and especially the ability of the handshake. Bo- Bobby handshake, P's dream doctor. I'm dream doctor tonight. Dream about handshakes is a very good confident indicator that you are about to make a good decision that will positively benefit you and those around you. Shaking right. hands is also signs of making an agreement and committing and honoring your promises. Take that little nugget. So seems pretty straightforward. Okay. Uh, Let's go to the bench because the bench was an iconic part that you made mention of in this as well. Correct. And I'm going to put this out there, especially in conjunction with the uh, elusiveness of Kojima after the tattoo shop. If a person sits on a bench, he or she should be careful with the debtors or enemies, never trust them and be alert. Mm. Tattoo. Interesting. Interesting. So, in certain cases, dreams with more emphasis on tattoos represent some urgent work that will lead you away from your home or perhaps the start of a new phase of your life. When you find yourself being tattooed with one of your friend, it implies strong love, bond, affection, and care that you may have or develop the near future with that person. So, again... I feel like I was projecting onto Kojima and Mads there about how good their friendship is, but yes, okay. Hang on, Rocket keeps busting in. <laughs> well, see, I mean, my my thought is, and I like all this general dream theory, and I want us to keep going, but uh, there's also a bit, like, I, I'm not, like, some massive Hideo Kojima fan. Like, I like Metal Gear, uh, specifically, like, MGS5 and Peace Walker. I love a lot. But uh, I will say that I, I have at least been following them somewhat uh, following him somewhat recently after the game awards like we've we had the game awards where he came out there and and although mickelson wasn't there uh uh the guy from walking dead uh norman reedus was there and right. guillermo del toro was there or wait yeah, the, yes yes yeah. guillermo del toro yeah. yes yeah. not yeah. the other not the other del toro uh, somebody not benicio somebody fuck, yeah not not benicio somebody fucked that up on a on a movie review and now it has me questioning everything. Sure. <laughs> um, but then the, uh, do you also remember those photos that showed up on Twitter of Kojima and Mads and like some, it looked like maybe like a ramen shop or something. And they were both mm-hmm. sitting at the same booth together and, yeah. and Mads Mickelson kind of looked like Naruto, although that doesn't help you because you probably wouldn't be able to call out Naruto no. out of a no lineup. <laughs> um, but he was wearing like that orange and black jumpsuit kind of thing or jacket at least uh anyway so like that hasn't been burned into my mind or anything but i think that's where some of this dream stuff came from of like oh yeah those two guys are just hanging out and being friends anyway please please get back to the analyzation because this is this is fantastic we're almost we're almost to the end of it i promise you so the next piece that kept coming up and especially because it inflicted harm on you is the soldier and we can't forget about the soldier of course not right uh, furthermore, this dream may indicate a good inner discord since the dream highlights the way in which you battle with yourself. However, when the dream is associated with 
unfavorable inner thoughts this may indicate the waking up everyday life is too disciplined and predictable mm. so there's an inner discord where you're battling with that uh and the last piece here that we're going to make mention of is uh, a photo if you see photos of your enemy which again was he your enemy in this dream that's what we're trying to figure out the dream symbolizes a kind of victory over your enemy perhaps at your at work you will gain a dizzying success which will give you the opportunity to become the best. Uh, well, well, I'm going to kind of doubt that part, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes. Also, a photo in a dream may foreshadow the end of a long-standing feud. It happens mm. in such a way that the conflict between the rivals will be settled and there will be nothing else to share. Interesting. And those are the, those are the highlights here on the Casual Hour from your, from your dream analysis. Bobby, this... This is incredible to me. Uh, like, like I said, uh, I, I don't have dreams this well put together, this, uh, this vivid, this um, real. And, yeah. and this one, you know, other than some weird stuff like the disappearing Kojima and sure. the video game uh, game over screen kind of thing, uh, like the rest of it felt like I was just in the world, a weird world, but the world. Now, here's my question to you. <laughs> Would you be comfortable publishing the dream on a casual thought? <laughs> sure. Yes. I'll publish that dream. Why not? Cool. Well, so we're going to publish this dream, uh, on, on casual thoughts, which is a segment that we have on our website where we capture, uh, some initiatives or, and most recently we had a, uh, our game of the year breakdown on that. So it had, Chase did a great job going through that and putting our top tens and then some of the categories that we had. We need um, to find those Twitter photos so we can have some visual aids yeah. in in this uh, casual. I, I think piece. we can. I think we can probably wrap that up. Oh boy! Uh, so, Chase, so yeah, that's what last happened to homework. me this morning. Last homework. <laughs> you need to keep some sort of dream journal next to your bed going forward because I feel that the story is only beginning. And not yet concluded. <laughs> right. I mean, I haven't seen Norman Reedus yet. Like, uh, what what happens to him? What happens to the baby inside of his throat? Give me a <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> oh man. It, you know what? Though I've I've said this now in a podcast. We haven't seen any Death Stranding trailers that uh, that show this off yet. But just right. you wait. Like this is going to be this is going to lead to me being psychic in some way. If uh, if this somehow shows up in the next Death Stranding trailer. Call you now for your free reading. <laughs> um, so outside let's of not, dream analysis. Yeah, let's not talk about dreams. Let's talk about we anything We do a else. weekly show where we go in and we discuss the games that we've been playing. We also talk uh, at length about topics or themes. Uh, we don't particularly have one outside of dreaming tonight. Uh, <laughs> that was an unexpected but well-welcomed. Well, the, the, I mean, the theme is like this is our week of rest. Like we've yeah now that now that we've had this time after after game of the year stuff, like we were doing a lot of cramming for that, and now we're free. We can we can kind of play whatever we want, and right. I think we both took advantage of that in in different ways. Uh, and yeah, there are tons of games on here. Actually, other than like a stray couple, most of this stuff is not twenty. 17 stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some older things here, uh, for sure. And that was, it was fun. It was like, 
I, I don't want to say that like when I play these games, I feel like it's a job by any means. We're not making any money on this show. That's not the point of the show. We play games because we enjoy them and we want to help people discover things that we like about them. Right. But and, to make informed opinions on things like Game of the Year, we have to play sure. the games that came out that year. And, yeah. and it really does hamstring us in a way. So yep. now that we're free, we, we kind of went crazy. So, Bobby, so, with that in mind, yeah, with all of these games that you could have played from any year in gaming history, I want you to tell me about a game that came out today. Yeah. Um, so a game that came out today is one that I was completely caught off guard when it was announced. And it was announced, I think, last month, and that is Bridge Constructor Portal. Uh, this is... This is the next iteration of the Portal story. They decided to make a mobile version of this game. I'm playing this on iOS, particularly my iPad. I don't know if this is on Android. I think it is. I think it's on both Android and iOS. Um, the Bridge Constructor games have been out for a while. I Does Valve make that game? Is that a Valve game, Chase? The regular Bridge Constructor? Yeah. No. Do you know? Okay. No. I, I bet that was some kind of weird partnership thing that Valve was like, hey, you guys are cool. And I, I don't know if they bought that studio or what, but I'm sure it was, okay, why don't you put a portal skin on that or something like that? Yeah. So I've played, uh, I played 10 levels of this game so far. I don't know how many there are. Uh, it's set up in a pretty typical like mobile fashion. Hey, uh, we're going to introduce a few new elements as you're progressing. You have to start bringing those into other games or other other levels. If you get one vehicle across, you get a minimal score, and they let you know, hey, you pass minimally. Uh, to get an excellent rating, you need to get six vehicles across your bridge. So, with everything being portal themed, uh, I've downloaded this game and I've seen it, but I I haven't seen a ton of it. What are yeah. the vehicles like? I there are no vehicles in Portal, so what is the, the vehicles what is that play, stand in? They play no weight to the story. Um, you work in an office associated with Aperture, and you are just this, you know, kind of expendable person that is going to be testing the bridge building functionality alongside the portals. And they introduce the portals into to new ways. The vehicles are literally just for you to test the structure and integrity of the bridges that Aperture is putting out. Right. But GLaDOS is there. Like it's, GLaDOS is there. There is, I, I mean, there. I'm not thinking that this game is going to add to the rich narrative of Portal and Half-Life, but uh, like there's, <laughs> it, it's not like it wasn't built within the world of Portal. Yeah, I mean, this is a portal game. Like, right. I, it, this is an absolute portal game. How do the portals work? Yeah. Like, are you actually so, putting down portals? The, you're, so the portals are already predetermined. Okay. Uh, uh, it's the same concept of physics. So, and they're, they do a pretty good job of hand-holding, uh, especially if this is the first, if this is the very first experience anybody has with portal. So they're going to say, like, hey, anything that you put into the portal is going to come out the other portal at that same speed and velocity. And they use right. that. So like, hey, you need to get up here. Just remember, like, you want to have enough momentum going in toward when you come out, you'll you'll land the jump, so to speak. Uh, one interesting thing that happened is, is the first time that they, 
they do a portal and it's very much like, oh, this is a portal, here's how you use it. The immediate next level, like, hey, here's a bunch of portals. And they had four quadrants in the map. And it was like, okay, this portal will take you here, but hey, there's a room full of lasers and you don't know which portal leads to it. So if you go through it, you're gonna mm. die. Sure. But then, then Gladys is just like, well, we're not gonna do that to you. So we're gonna color code it. And so then you had like the just the traditional blue portal and orange portal, but then there was a purple portal and a yellow portal. And so they had okay. basically Those... just saying like, if you go through this color portal, you're gonna come out of that color portal. Yeah. Do you remember what the portal colors were in the co-op for Portal 2? Like the second, the alternate portal colors? I thought purple was one. I think purple, maybe it was those colors. I think it was purple and red though, not yellow. Okay. I don't know. Um, Anyway. So I played played through 10 levels. They do a pretty good job of like teaching you. You you have two materials. You have uh, essentially like a, a metal hydraulic bar that you can stretch. And then if you tap that, it becomes a road. And then you have, uh, like, it's a wire. It acts more rubber bandy. So, like, if you have point A uh, at the top of your screen and point B is off to the right, and you drag that, it'll stretch. And as things stretch it more, it turns red. It can snap and break. Um, There were some pretty good, like, I had a few moments where I had audible chuckles at some of the dialogue. And then just, like... I'm a sucker for anything that's going to have some ragdoll, just wonky physics, like when you sure. run its course. Okay. And I, I think this especially, like if you're building something just to kind of watch like how fucked up this is going to go, it works out really well. So well, it's neat. Let me ask you a couple more questions about just stuff that's in it, because I'm interested in playing it for sure. Yeah. Uh, does it have, I guess they probably wouldn't have the light bridges from, from Portal 2 in it, because that would be... Maybe too easy. It could. So again, I'm 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 very early into it. They, I sure. think it was either level nine or level ten. They just introduced the companion cube. Oh, okay, of course. Why? Yeah, has to be. And so um, that's that's in there in a way like, hey, there's a door blocking your way to get through it. You need to drive over this button, and when you drive over this button, it drops a companion cube that then rolls over onto a button that keeps the door okay. open. That's cool. Yeah. And then my other question, which I, I'm sure you, if it's in there, you haven't gotten to it yet, is the uh, the juices, the, the uh, I don't even know, the liquid things that were in Portal 2 yes. of, that could either speed something up or make you bounce. Yeah. Uh, like that, that stuff, I assume that, that, would, has, that probably has to come into play. Like that seems too I good not so. to. Yeah, totally agree with you. Um, I have not encountered that myself yet. Um I've been playing another game on my Switch a lot, and so I was doing that mostly, but then I said, oh, shit, I, I need to... I had so many games listed for that anyway, I hesitated to put it on there, but it came out today, so I wanted to talk about it. Right. I'm glad we are. Bobby, let me ask you this question. Yeah. W- would you rather play this game on Switch? Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> let me say that. So I have not really had much need or want on a switch to do the touch controls right and this works really well because if i was using the the joy cons with the thumbsticks i would be moving a cursor and then it would be like okay this cursor's over this point hit a move cursor next point hit a again to lock in where 
what I like about nebulous on the phone. Yeah. And I think on the iPad or the phone, you're literally just starting at point A, dragging your finger to point B, like you were like drawing a line with your finger. And then if you want to turn that into a road, you just tap the line. It turns into a road. If you want to undo it, you double tap on it and it erases it. So you can move things around a lot quicker where I think, um, I think the switch on, I'm going to take that back. I think that this is a great platform for it. It's designed for a touch screen. You could certainly do that on the switch. I'm not saying you couldn't, and it probably will end up there just knowing how everything else is ending up there. Um, but I could see like this could be like a $15 game on the switch where it's four ninety nine on iOS and Android. Well, cool. I'm definitely looking forward to trying it. I, I love portal stuff. Uh, and although this is certainly not the third portal game that I've been looking for, uh, it, it is a portal game. And I, I've actually always been intrigued by bridge constructor and I've, uh, just, it's a PC game, so I've never been able to actually play it, but I like watching some people play it on some of the live streams that I've seen. Uh, and I think with all of the portal additions that you've talked about, whether it's using the portals or the buttons and the companion cubes and the potential of the, of the liquids that can be brought in there. I like, it sounds like there could be a lot of really cool executions, uh, for the puzzle design here. Look, I know that you're not a huge fan of touch controls. Um, they aren't, in a, it's not in a way, think about the severed. So the way severed would play. I would play really, severed because it has touch controls. It, it's a game that I think benefits <laughs> from that. Completely. Probably does. Probably does. I, uh, and I like as much as I like guacamelee, I should play severed and I just can't bring myself to do it. But I think that I, I do think as much as you like portal. And I think that the controls feel very natural for this game. I think you'll enjoy it. Nice. Um, I would recommend playing on your iPad more than your phone. Okay. I've, I have it on my phone right now and you know, I've got that, I've got that plus, so it's a big screen, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would probably want to play it on my iPad if I could. Um, Bobby, do you know, well, see, here's the problem. It's not 2018 yet, so I can't actually make this claim. Okay. But Bobby, Mm -hmm. it's, it's strategy 18 up in this place. Strategy 18. Yes. I think I wrote this to you like a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is my plan for, for 2018. 18. Strategy 18. Is that on a maturity level? Is that a Peggy eighteen? Uh, no, that's this is a this is a. Do you remember that twelve and twelve thing that I did last year, or technically remember still this it. year? I still. Yeah, think about it. Uh, I didn't quite make it. I played. I think I played you, twelve games. I did not write about games. them all. Yes. Yeah. So uh, and and at this point, I probably won't write about them all. I have a lot more that I would need to write about and I might leave that off to the wayside. But in thinking about that and in thinking after, after this 2017 where I played a lot of stuff that I didn't necessarily want to play because I thought I needed to get it done for, for game of the year stuff. There's a part of me that wants to rebel and say, you know what? I want to play the games that I like and Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to play them now. Yeah. (laughs) And and I think I'm allowing myself that time at the moment before any big 2018 releases come out uh, that, I, that I'm just jumping into the kinds of games that I like to play. Sure. So Strategy 18 is all about me playing strategy games. 
uh, if you if you couldn't extrapolate that that oh. super coded message there. I'm in. I'm in like Flint. <laughs> uh, so I've been playing a lot of strategy games recently. Okay. And just like a little bit of all of them. The the first one is I wanted to play some Valkyria Chronicles. Um, Valkyria Chronicles came out for well, the I'm pretty Valkyrious about that because I have no idea oh, what you're talking about. God, that's oh, that's so bad. Good. You're, Good. you're so bad. Good. Uh, <laughs> um, Valkyria Chronicles is a game that came out for the PS3. Uh, I did not own a PS3 at the time, so I didn't play it, although I thought it looked gorgeous. It has this anime style, but it's got a storybook look to it with some cross-hatching, and it, it just it looks like a watercolor storybook page. It's incredible. Uh, and Is it kind of like never, Cloud of Light in that sense? Uh, more anime than that. Like you still yeah. have you still have characters with big eyes and and all that stuff, sure. but it's so I never played the first one. The second one came to PSP, which I did have, and I tried to play a little bit of it there, and I couldn't really get into it. Barely played it at all, and I guess there was other stuff coming out at the time, and and I just didn't play much of it. The third game never came out in America. Uh, there was another game called Valkyria Revolution, I think, that came out this year and was very bad and also nothing like Valkyria Chronicles. And then we got the announcement, man, maybe a month ago, maybe less than a month ago, that Valkyria Chronicles 4 is coming out next year and it will be coming out for a number of things, but the important one is it's coming out for the Switch. So... Yep. I'm excited about that. Cool, Valkyria Chronicles. It's a it's a strategy RPG. I, those are things that I like, uh, but I've always felt a little guilty that I've I've never actually given that series uh, a shot. So the uh, the original game, Valkyria Chronicles, had a remaster on on PlayStation Four. So I downloaded that, and I've been playing a good portion of it. And that game is like ninety five percent to being an awesome chase game. And it's that last 5% that really is pissing me off. (laughs) So is this a Persona 5 situation? No, no, because it's it's much more of a mechanical issue than a story issue. Uh, Persona 5 was was very much, I thought, logically, some of these things didn't make sense. Dialogue, I thought, was pretty bad, especially near the beginning. And, right. and then that got better. This is a mechanical problem that uh, I, I can't see why it wouldn't per, uh, be pervasive in the entire experience. Okay. And, and the problem is, here's, here's the deal. When you, when you pick a unit, you get a number of, of CP, control points, command points, whatever, to move your units. Uh, you have a tank in some cases, and that tank uses two command points. And all your other soldiers just use a single command point. And when you pick a soldier, now you pick a soldier from like a top-down view, and a very tactical view. And when you pick a soldier, it zooms down into third person. So now it looks kind of like a Gears of War uh, camera angle at least. And now you can move that character relatively freely. You have uh, a bar of action points that shows you how far a character can move in, in a single round. So now you can move your character, you can put him into cover, you can crouch down, 
and you can take a shot on the enemy. And then even after you've taken a shot, if you still have uh, excess AP left over, you can use that to move your character back if you want to, or whatever you need to do. And and that's all good. Like that's that's great. The there are two problems. One is that you're able to once you finish a turn like that, you'll go back to the tactical screen, the top-down screen, and you'll still be able to use your remaining command points to move more stuff. Okay. So one of, one of the problems is you can go right back to that same unit that you just used and use them again. And they'll have slightly less action points, so uh, they try to balance it a little bit of, well, you can't take them as far this time. But it's kind of... It's kind of broken because now because the enemies can do the same thing. So if I set up a really good defense, or what feels like a really good defense, an enemy can bring a big unit in and then further in and then further in. And now they've flanked a bunch of my guys, even though I've I had what was a pretty good position. And technically I could do the same thing. But then here's the second problem is that when when I'm running, or when an enemy is running, to a spot, if they get into the field of view of, of uh, an opponent, the opponent can just start shooting them, like taking attacks a, a of opportunity, if you want to use a Dungeons & Dragons term. So they can just keep on shooting <clears throat> until, until you do an action. So it, it makes it much more of an action part action game in there when I'm trying to do the strategy stuff. Cause I want to move my character, put them in cover. And you want strategy 18. I'm looking for strategy 18, baby. So yeah. uh, what I, I mean, this is me coming from a fire emblem or from an XCOM or from uh, an advanced Wars standpoint. And you want of, it to I, be one of those games. Uh, I mean a little bit and it's pretty close with yeah. a, with an interesting gimmick to it. But the problem is because the enemy can just keep shooting now, even when I've stopped and and put myself where I want to be before I hit the button to, to take a, to aim and take a shot, they can just keep on shooting. And some characters uh, have machine guns and can just shoot a lot of bullets and do a ton of damage to you. And I just don't understand why. And even after you've taken the shot, It'll come back to that third-person view, and right. they'll just keep on shooting you until you end the turn. So you have to like jam on the circle button to like as you're taking the shot, thinking like I need to get to this exit menu before they can take extra free you, shots at me for no. Do you reason. know if that mechanic is present in the other installments? I don't. Of this game? I tried. I tried to look it up, and I couldn't quite tell. I guess I'd have to look up video for it, but. I, I I don't know. There's there's just something I don't like about it, and I can even That's find fair. ways of being okay with it. If if maybe any time that I moved, if it was like a uh, not to steal your thunder on a game that you're about to talk about, but if it was like a super hot thing, if sure. if when I move my character, then people could take shot. But if I stand still, then the action stops, and I can actually set up a set up a shot and do what I need to do. That would be fine, but it. Because of those two things, it makes you play incredibly defensively. So now, yeah. now I let all the enemies come to me because there's no point in me trying to move forward 
at all. Sure. Be- no, because I'm just going to get destroyed if I go into their territory. So now I let the AI come to me. The problem is they also put turn limits on on all of these ma- matches. So every everyone that I've fought so far has a 20 turn limit. So I can't just sit around and wait forever. Or they have an objective where I need to go into the enemy territory and capture something. And I just... It's really frustrating to to play it that way. And like the other thing that I found that seems like a really shitty way of playing the game is when you get the tank just to use the tank all the time. Because the tank doesn't take right. a ton of fire from conventional weaponry, uh, only explosive stuff. And those guys don't shoot on... They, they don't take attacks of opportunity. They have to take the shot on their turn. So I, if I just roll up in my tank, I shoot them with my giant gun, and then I go right back down to the tank and do it again and do it again and do it again right. until I'm out of command points. And then it's the enemy's turn, and they've all been decimated, and the only thing they have left to shoot at is a tank that has a ton of health. And I mean, mechanically, this sounds a little odd. I'll say that. Much. Yeah, I just I think with a couple tweaks, it could be really good. And the rest feel- of- What's up? I was going to say, do you feel that like this is a game right now? Like, if I said, hey, are you going to get this fourth one when it comes out to the Switch? Is that a yes or a no at this time? Uh, I really want to. I Because okay. everything else about that game is awesome. The way... The strategy 18 is not going to write itself. <laughs> uh, it's, got, it's got some really cool things in it. Uh, it's got kind of a Fire Emblem style where you'll get units that have their own backstories and their own quirks. Like each unit, so you have a number of different classes. I think it's four or five classes. And there will be a bunch of recruits that you can get within that class. And all the recruits have names, they have uh, pictures, they have voices and photo, and uh, all of it. Like they, they, are, they feel like real, well, they feel like people a little bit. Not, not necessarily real people, but they, they have their own personalities to them. And in fact, those personalities dip into some traits for them and the traits can be good or bad. So there's like a girl who grew up in, in the very rural area. So she has like meadow girl. So if she's standing on grass, she gets a bonus to, uh, to her aim or something like that. But if she's in the city, she'll take a penalty because that's not, that's not where she likes to be. Mm. There are other people that, uh, (laughs) there's a trait called chatty Kathy. That if you are next to next, if you're around other units, you will distract them because you're talking too much and it will cause aim penalties or something. But so like those are that units one. that would be me. <laughs> so those are units you should send out as as scouts to, to do things on their own. So there, there are lots of really cool traits for these things. And some some units are just bad, like they've got bad traits on them and it makes you not want to use them except you also want to use them because it seems fun. Like, oh yeah, oh, I sure. want to be. I want to take the guy who gets lonely. If he's <laughs> ever, <laughs> if he's ever alone, then he takes huge penalties to to lots you of different use things. Separation anxiety it was highly effective, <laughs> uh, and it's great. Like they and they all have different voices, and they feel it's it's cool. It's not like Advance Wars where you're just throwing a bunch of of no name disposable units at something before it's over you want to keep all these people alive and it's still and it also kind of has the fire emblem thing 
of if uh, a enemy take or if one of your guys takes too much damage, they'll go into like a, a down state and you have to go and save them in a number of turns or you'll lose them permanently. So it's it's kind it's kind of cool. I, I like it a lot. And there are lots of really interesting ideas of how you upgrade things. You aren't upgrading single units. You upgrade entire classes. So okay. I upgraded all of my snipers. And now they all have uh, better guns. Or, or you nice. can go into the armory and you can pick new guns or new armor pieces. And you can give it to all of those people. You can go and upgrade that tank of yours and, and give it better mobility or, or a stronger gun or more plating. And all of this stuff seems really cool. I like the story. I like the, uh, the voice acting is pretty solid. The, the cutscenes leave a little bit to be desired. They're, they're great when they have them, but they're just so few of them. And most of the time they just go to kind of talking head style style things like a lot of anime style games usually do. Uh, but because this game has such a good look, you want to see more of that style and, and they, they don't do a ton of those cutscenes. Maybe there's more in, in later games, but I love so many things about this game. And then I just get into the combat and like, I'll, I'll take a scout up and, Oh, they'll get hit by three different enemies all shooting at them and they die. And well, fuck and then i just have to go and reload it and play really boring and defensively and i get bored and so ah. are you gonna keep playing it maybe like now that okay. i've now that i've found like the strategy of here's an effective way of playing even if it's not a very fun way of playing right I, you can get I at least force in there yeah like i at least know i can get through it and getting through it means i can get to see more of the story that i think is pretty cool and uh, and I can keep interacting with the elements that I really do like. So cool. fingers are crossed that Valkyria Chronicles four, uh, fixes some of those issues that I have, but man, this, this game has so much promise and it's so close. It's so close to being exactly what I want, but it's just not quite there. All um, right, Bobby, uh, because I mentioned super hot, I would like to hear about your time with super hot. Yeah. And, what I'll do here is uh, I'll, I'm going to do two of these games because they kind of go hand in hand with this segment. Sure. Um, so when I went to Branson, my cousin Jason has recently purchased a uh, PSVR unit. And mm. I was quite honestly a little taken aback that he did it. Um, my cousin's the type of all-in guy and gaming is a huge passion of his. And I was just like, man, that just that seems like a really odd, odd thing to bet your money on this, this late in the game. And... Uh, he's a huge Skyrim guy, and so I I got to check that out a little bit. But my mom had gotten him for his birthday uh, the code to download Super Hot, and I had played a little bit of Skyrim at this time. I did the uh, the Star Wars Battlefront X Wing mission where it's all cool. VR, and uh, I it was neat. Like the, the cockpit was really cool to be inside of a an X-Wing, that was really neat. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you could use like either the dual shock with that or the motion controller as like a, uh, what do you call that? A yolk? Is that a yolk? What do they yeah. call that? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, super hot. And he, he let me said, hey, you're, you're going to be the first person to play this game in VR. I'm like, all right, I'm in. And I put the headset on 
and you get greeted with a DOS screen that's pretty fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're in that world. It's pure white. And there's a gun floating in front of you, and it says, grab me. And, and we've both played regular Super We've played Hot. this. So we, we kind of know what to expect here. Uh, I will say that you, you've heard me on this podcast before and in person. I am an ardent, uh, I, I guess you could call it a hater of VR. Uh, I think it's. I don't think it's there yet. I don't think uh, people have done enough to to make it worthy, uh, especially from a game's perspective. The one exception is Super Hot VR, which yeah. I think is still a pretty shortened experience. And I know regular Super Hot's not that long either, but I think right. this is even shorter than that. But so, man, Super Hot VR looks like fucking awesome stuff. So let me say this much. I was playing this with the move controllers, which I think is the only way you can play it. And uh, this gun, as you start the game, is sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so there was something really interesting that happened here. Like, I reach forward with this move controller, and like you see your hand reach out in the game. And like yep. I-, I immediately, like, I immediately was just like kind of taken into this, like, this is me. Like, I didn't feel like I was playing the game as much as I was being the game. And that's never, ever happened to me. And I've done the demo for, for VR. I'm kind of with you on this, Chase. Like, I'm not a huge guy on it. Um, I should say I wasn't a huge guy on it. Um, but you grab this gun, the red guy loads up, and you just blow his fucking brains out. And in that mo- In that moment, it was so fucking crazy in that game. And then you get loaded into these worlds that you're used to. And, like, just the way it tracks your movement. So, like, these guys are coming at you and they're swinging a punch or they're shooting a bullet. And, like, you're ducking down, dodging this bullet. And you're grabbing a fucking vase and you're throwing it. Because the mechanic on this, there's a really large, like, what I would call, like, thumb buttons. And you have a trigger on the back. So, if you push in and compress the, the thumb button and you do the motion, as you're throwing, you let go of the thumb, it launches. And so, you're you're... Uh, shurikens and all that shit or ninja stars whatever they're fucking called in the game like all of that mechanic is there but dude you would punch somebody or I would just reach out and grab the gun from them and it was like being on the rooftop in the matrix like that was probably the closest thing to the matrix I'll ever experience in my life right and super hot is not a game to be played on an xbox it's not a game to be played on a playstation it's not a game to be played on a pc I'm telling you with full like validation in this it is to be played in virtual reality. Well, it's they're also two separate games. Like play Super Hot and Super Hot VR are two completely separate things that take place in the same kind of Super Hot universe. So the Super Hot that I played was pretty much the Super like it was like the levels that you would play in the actual game. Right. Uh, from what I know about that story though, some some things happen that are different from the story of regular Super Hot. There was like a part in the game where like you get to the end of this level and it's like uh, show your show your commitment. Yes. I know exactly and, what part you're talking about. And it's just like uh, and we kind of looked at the screen like well there's nobody here and you're like oh yeah there is. Yeah. And so you take that move controller and you do the deed and it's just like wow. It's so cool. Right. Uh, um, I, in that moment, was like, 
I got to have one of these. And then I was just like, do I really want to, you know, do I really want to do that at this point in time? Because that experience was just so overwhelming. And quite honestly, the, the, the loudest voice in the room in favor of picking one of these up was my wife who fell in love with VR. Yeah. Who doesn't really game. Um, so super hot. If you played super hot, it's, a, I, we love that game here on the show. We had uh, a lot to say about that. We played that game late in the year, real late in the year. Yeah. Bobby, would you say actually it was even later than that? Like we, we had our game of the year show we the year before yeah. and our guest talked about it and we all said, Oh fuck, we didn't play that. And then we all played that and went, yep. <laughs> It's kind of um, interesting because I, I almost bookended 2017 with Super Hot. Yeah, totally. Bobby, would you say it's the most innovative PlayStation VR game you've played in years? I would absolutely agree with that. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so now your wife wants one of these. Uh, so now I assume you're probably going to get what? Is, what do they cost now? Four hundred, five hundred. Uh, it depends. So they've got two two versions of this out. They've got like a second edition which is a little bit lighter. It's got, uh, it does the 4K. Uh, it does also have the built, the, the one thing that I will say makes a really big deal with this is audio uh, from like an immersion standpoint. Mm-hmm. And this particular one has- uh, The built-in headphones. Has the built-in headphones, which are great. Um, to get like the Skyrim bundle, it's on sale right now. It's $349. Um, to get one with Doom, which Doom also comes with the second version uh, headset. You can get that for one ninety nine to one to like two forty, two fifty. So it's I'm still not, basically a two hundred dollar super hot machine. Yeah. So and like we both talk like we can't justify it because of it's one of those things where like I think we'd use it occasionally. Um, I know we would. I I don't know how. Also, being I've been to your house. I don't know if you have the space to make that work. I do. Uh, you do? I do have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, you might have to move some furniture. Well, I have a coffee table and I have an ottoman that I would just slide over. Okay. Um, the, other, the other thing I played with the Chase that I thought was really, I mean, it was pretty cool, was the London Heist. And that's part of the PlayStation World. So the PlayStation World has like the Shark Tank and all that fun stuff. Um this was really weird. Like this is the one that kind of tripped me up a little bit. So uh, I'd be in a room where you were at like a bar in London and there was an ashtray, a cigar, a lighter, and you'd pick these items up and you'd move the controller up to your face and you'd light a cigar. Um, But then there was like a lot of talking and waiting. And so like, I would be like going in the game, I would go and lean in on the table, like have my hands on the table and then like, in real life, I would start to like lean forward. Mm-hmm. And I had this weird, like I was having a hard time disassociating, like being in a virtual reality and being in a uh, present reality or, you know, our own reality. And that game's really cool. Like that's the one where you have to like eject your clip and load a new clip in when you're shooting. And so there's a lot of mechanics that go into it. It's kind of like those house of the dead on rail shooters. I think Terminator had one on the arcades. Um, right where it's essentially an on-rail shooter, but in VR, and like you're in a heist mission, and you're, you're trying to find this key, and you have to rattle open drawers and pull the key out of the drawer, and there's a lot of gimmicky stuff, but it was fucking cool. Like, I was getting shot at this one point in time, and, you know, in the game, you would, like, 
take cover or move your character. And all I did was I just leaned my head because there was a clock tower in front of me or a, like a Victorian clock. And I just leaned my head behind it and I could then watch the bullets hitting the clock and not hitting me. And so it brought this really neat element of play in where it's just like, hey, you have to be consciously aware of the physicality of what you're doing because you could be popping your head up over a situation. And so again, like it was the most time I spent with VR. I know that Sony continues to put a lot of chips on VR. Um, I think if they continue to create experiences like super hot or at least help people create those experiences. And I think if they can get the cost down by another hundred bucks consistently across the board, like they might have, they might have some, something there. I feel like a lot of VR right now is this uh, bet hedging at this point. There, there was a lot of money in it initially, and the initial games that came out were almost all shooting galleries of one kind or another, or yeah. or like the shark cage thing of like this is just something you sit in and and let it happen around you. And I think that caused a lot of backlash against VR of people going like all these games are the same and they're all bad. And the ones that are interesting are the ones where you kind of interact with people. Like I know uh, rec room was a big, uh, yeah. at least initial one. And I think it still is pretty big because it's free, but there are lots of games that tried to do kind of what rec room did and they couldn't get the, the user base to stick around with them and they all kind of failed and died. So now I, I feel like from what we've seen, or what's been shown to us in press conferences and things like that have been, yeah, we're still working on some VR stuff, but it it seems a little bit more pushed to the side than it was a year ago or two years ago when people were, were getting really excited about it and showing off their stuff. I, I'm going to bring up the Witcher. Okay. I, Mm. I know I didn't really bring up my two favorite things, VR and the Witcher. Correct, right. and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it full circle here. So, I'm so excited to your point, about this podcast. <laughs> without, without like being like a shooter or anything like that, I would say, and I did not play Gwent when I played The Witcher. Like I just wasn't like hooked on it like people were. Yeah. But a game like that, where like you're sitting at a table, you have your cards in front of you, you're in a room, you're interacting with people. Like I could reach down, pick up a card, look at it, lay it back down, or play that card. That would be a really neat experience for this. I think that that would add a level of immersion into a game that maybe as a video game doesn't really seem to be there. I think that there could be some interesting things with sound, sight, and and feel, so to speak, a digital feel, if there were experiences like that. Um, I have swayed away from where my hard stance was on VR, as you probably picked up. I don't know if or how soon we will own one, um, but... It's one of those situations where I went from a hard no on this to a pretty genuine, like, I'm very curious now to see what could become. I know this. I've already, I've already lost you. Like, like <laughs> you're, you're out there with your fancy half-step consoles that you used to be against. And now, now you're all, all about, and now I'm Jeez, losing I'm weak. to VR. I'm weak. I don't know. I don't know how I can tell. I'm weak in VR. I'm weak. In, it doesn't matter what reality you put me in. I'm weak. So weak. So, so, so weak. Now, now, Chase, I, I know that, for those of you who didn't listen, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this. Your number two game of the year was Monster Hunter Stories for the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And I know 
based off of what you've shared with me, that you could give two shits about Monster Hunter before this. Also true. Uh, I had played Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on the 3DS uh, to give it a shot, and I very much did not like that game. So now that you love Monster Hunter Stories, you really like Monster Hunter World, don't you? Uh, no. <laughs> Short answer, no. Uh, I decided to give it another shot. Uh, they had the yeah. Monster Hunter World beta that came out, and hey, it's a free chance to see if I actually like this thing. And I, I decided, you know what, now that I know who these monsters are, uh, I at least know, I, like, I don't know their attack patterns, but I at least know some of their attacks. Like, I know the Rathian does the, the poison sweep, uh, and, the, you know, Rathalos is going to shoot fire stuff at me. Like, oh, it'd be cool to see some of these things in, right. in like, a really high-definition pretty way. And so I downloaded it. I gave it a shot. And the beta is is interesting. They give you a number of uh, of monsters that you can uh, give you a number of missions. I think there are three solo missions, and then there's I think there's another three missions that you can go on uh, with a group. And maybe they're the same three. I don't, I'm not sure because I didn't play any multiplayer because I didn't have anybody else to play with. Uh, and man, I don't know. Like it's it seems like they have done a lot to make it more accessible for people. People yeah. like me, who like the idea of Monster Hunter. I like the idea of going around and hunting these monsters and, and taking these big epic fights. and That sounds cool to me. And then I get in there, and it's just so many mechanics that I'm not seeing the value of. And right. so many meters and things that... I need to keep track of and I don't feel I don't feel like I'm hunting a monster I feel like I'm playing a spreadsheet and, and that doesn't sound like a lot of fun spreadsheets aren't fun and and I'm a guy who likes strategy games so I strategy like, I, I'm I'm used to playing things with a lot I'm gonna of be the biggest hype man for strategy 18 just so you know like I, I'm glad like I'm very excited about strategy 18 I haven't even told you about all the strategy 18 games that I played uh, so far, um, but I was I was playing some of this Monster Hunter World, and I I beat the the first two, uh, the first two hunts, uh, the first two missions that they have on there, and you're able to use all these different weapons. So uh, each weapon plays very differently from the next. They have different combos. You can uh, they have different rhythms to them. Some of them just play in completely different ways. Like the sword plays very differently from the way that the bow plays. Uh, sure. So I, I wanted to give a couple a shot. Uh, there was one sword that seemed really cool. It was like a sword and shield, but the sword could like be combined into the shield to make it like a bigger sword. And that seemed really cool. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. It also had poison damage on it. I was like, I like poison. I, I can take a shot at one of these enemies and then I can just kind of sit back. That sounds great. Uh, and then at one point... It had, uh, it had run out of charge, which was a system that I never... The shield did or the sword? The bo both? I, I mean, the kind sword. of the sword, but... Like, the I, it sword got to, is where I'm yeah. calling it. Um, and I didn't know what that meant. Like, I, I understand that, that Monster Hunter has a system of sharpness. And I've, I've remembered from my time playing it before that if you use a weapon too much on an enemy, it becomes dull and you have to... 
get out of the fight for a minute and use a whetstone, an item that's just right. in your inventory, and you have to sit, and it takes a little while, and you can be interrupted out of it, but um, but it allows you to resharpen your weapon, and then you can go in and keep doing more damage. So I thought, okay, well, this isn't sharpness. Like, I have another meter that says sharpness, and that says it's fine, so how do I how do I get more charge on this? And I looked up the controls, I looked up uh, tutorial stuff, and I could never find out what what I needed to do. So it was a lot of me just trying buttons and nothing worked. And eventually I ran out of time because all of these missions are timed, which I also hate. Uh, and Yeah, that's so fun. I was I like, all right, that well, that, that's fun. But maybe that's just that weapon that I don't like. So I tried another weapon. I, I just tried one of the regular swords that had... Um, that all I needed to do was worry about the sharpness, really. And that was fine. Like, I, I got through the part where I needed to sharpen it, but there's just there's just so much extra crap in there. It's it's the hunting is, of the... It's the that when you get a monster down to a, a certain percentage of their health, they'll have a tendency to just run away. And it's way better than previous Monster Hunter games, because in previous Monster Hunter games... They would split up the world into these different sections, different numbered sections. And when the when the monster ran away, it would go to <clears throat> not necessarily like a random section, but it, it wouldn't just go to the next section. It would go to like a, a weird place. And now right. you'd have to go around and find it again. And if you are on uh, a time limit, like you always are, that can be really frustrating to have to kind of go search it out again. And there were items that you could use. You could use a paintball to to uh, track the monster better and, and be able to find it faster. But that's right. only if you used it in the right amount of time. And it's just a ton of hassly stuff that you have to remember. And, and going through that inventory and getting to those items and using those items was a pain in the ass. Um, and this game tries to help that a little bit. Now there are these, uh, I think they're called scout flies. And they will kind of follow the monster or at least uh, lead you to different things. So like the breadcrumb trail from, from fable two a little bit where they'll take you to different points of interest. Like they'll, they'll take you to uh, a brush that's been moved away or to footprints. And now it'll help you track the monster better. And now the world is one interconnected thing instead of separated off numbered sections. So you're not hitting loading screens going from section to section. You're just moving from this jungly area to the more plains area. And, and that's good. Like that's, it makes it easier to track monsters. It makes it easier to keep up with them. It makes it easier to find them again. So you're able to right. get back into the battle, but then you just get back to dark souls kind of combat where you have to do these long animations to do attacks and if you don't do it correctly, then the enemy is far gone by the time you actually do the slash. Uh, and I know that you told me that you were you're just not a huge fan of the mechanics of the combat. Yeah, I just I find it I find it slow and I find it tedious, and it's especially tedious when you're alone. Like if you had a team of four people with you. And right. you're and all you can, like, fighting sharpen your sword or whatever. Right. I, and I can coordinate. I can say, okay, you three attack them because my sharpness is down. I need to go and, and resharpen this weapon or my health's down. I need to go cook this food and then eat the food 
and but when you're playing alone, you do have this little cat with you called a palico, and and the palicos will will do some things. Is to, palico calico? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you can pick kind of what you want your cat to yeah. be. Um, mine, mine in the beta, I, I used a calico, uh, a calico palico, if you will, and and they'll serve some of that function, but not nearly as effective as another human player would. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of really cool stuff in that game and it's just a little too frustrating for me to, to get to that being said, I, I played the second mission. I fought a Baroth or a, a Baroth. I don't know exactly how you pronounce it. And I was like, Oh God, that's the monster from monster Hunter stories. Oh, that's cool. I had one of those. Oh, Wow. And then in the third one, I was attacking uh, a monster. And then uh, this was kind of a, a cool secret in the demo. It's not that hidden of a secret. You'll find it, I think, anytime you play that mission. But you get to this one area, and a Rathalos just comes out. And the Rathalos is this big red dragon. And he, he just comes out of nowhere and attacks both you and the other monster. And you're like, oh, shit, it's Rathalos. Because Rathalos is kind of like the, the poster monster for a lot of monster hunter stuff especially monster hunter stories where it's a very integral monster uh that you that you play with it's like oh shit it's rathalos that's that's fucking cool that's the one and now i gotta go back to playing the same game that i hate playing and uh i hmm. for for people who like monster hunter i can totally see this working for them at and for people who are in a better frame of mind to play Monster Hunter than I am, I can see them getting into it. Because it really is the easiest Monster Hunter game to play that they've ever made. But that's still, like, the tallest molehill. Like, it's it's not anywhere close to where I think it needs to be to get me to really get into that series. Like, mm-hmm. I, I need that action to get closer to something like Bayonetta before I go, yeah, this is what I want to play now. You want more action. Uh, I want more action. I want less waiting on uh, on like silly sharpness stuff. I don't want to do the animation priority stuff. I I just want to get in there. You know what I want is scale bound, and that game got canceled. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck yeah. you, I mean, that, that, ex- that 100% was exactly what I was looking for. Because it was made by Platinum, so it absolutely is Bayonetta-style combat, but it was built with Monster Hunter stuff in mind. And man, I probably would have been super into that game, and that's that's just not happening. So, that one's just not for me. Okay. It looks good, though. Like, it's really pretty. I'll I'll give it that. Well, I think the beta kicks back on here in a day or so, and I'll probably try and try it. Yeah, you should you should try it at least. I know how much you love Dark Souls, so you'll probably love this. I will just burn it all down. <laughs> uh, hey, so I, we, we've gone through a few games each year. I'd love to know, like, do you have anything pertinent that you want to share about Destiny? Or is that just kind of like, hey, we're playing this? Or we're still playing this? Yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about Curse of Osiris that much. We, talked, we just touched on it barely on Game of the Year. Uh, so we've right. both gone through that. We've gone through the story. I think it's... An interesting addition to to Destiny Two. Um, I like that it focuses around the Vex. I, I think uh, some of the enemies and some of the worlds they they add in there are pretty cool. I think the yeah. new planet of Mercury is 
is pretty solid. Like I, I don't like that it's so small that you can't use a sparrow around it at all. Um, I, I do like that it has. It, it feels like it has more events going on at any one time. Maybe because it's small and it needs to be a little more dense, but it feels like there's always some kind of cool thing going on in that in that area that you can can go into. It's a beautiful area. I think when, when I think about like what they've done with like a landscape and just future, present, past, like those are all things that are really, really well done. Uh, Osiris, uh, are we going spoiler territory? Is that okay? That's a matter to me, but yeah, yeah I, 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 we're, we're going to talk a little bit about spoilers. I just don't, I don't know if, if I was as in love with him as I thought I was going to be. and I expected him to be a little bit more um, Egyptian and and mysterious in that way, and he kind of just felt like some weird nomad. Kooky old guy, yeah. Yeah, which, which is fine, but he's been built up with in, you know the trials of Osiris in the first game, and then... Uh, like there's still Osirisy kind of stuff in this game with uh, with the uh, the Venge uh, shit. What's it called? The the pulse rifle, the exotic pulse rifle, the Vengeful Spirit, or something like that. I don't think that's it, but the one that shoots five rounds instead of three. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I don't know yeah. the name of it. But anyway, yes. uh, so like there, like, he's been built up to be like this pharaoh kind of character, and he comes in and he's just. He's just like right. a dude, and that that was really so, disappointing to me. With with that, can you just give me kind of a, a hard and fast like, yes, I'm enjoying it still, or I'm it's run its course. I got the Jade Rabbit, so I'm having a great time. Fair enough. <laughs> That's one of my um, favorite exotics in all of Destiny, and uh, I loved it in Destiny One. And as soon as I got it in Destiny Two, and I got it very quickly in the Curse of Osiris DLC. Uh, I I love that gun, so it, it's great to have it back. And, and I think there are some other cool guns in there. And now they've uh, they've made the the new Cold Heart Osiris gun, the Eye of Osiris, or something like that. Mm-hmm. They've or the whatever it's called. Um, that gun's been reduced back to a normal <laughs> a normal gun. Good. Uh, so now people can play multiplayer again instead of only playing laser fights. Yeah, I am enjoying it. Uh, no shocking revelation there. Um, the dawning started today or yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that. Uh, I always think it's neat to see these seasons come into it. So we're going to continue to play Des- Destiny here on the Casual Hour. Um, I'm going to keep playing fun. it on Fridays. Like I, I'm going to keep seeing what yeah. Sir has. Um, I I do like that they've added in that new new exotic thing that you can get from Zer that is... Like guarantee um, is it a guarantee or is it like a much higher percentage either way it's a it's a better right. chance of getting uh exotics that you don't have and yep. and that's nice so i, I can keep checking yep. in every week and and i'll probably kind of wind down on playing that game but uh still a fun game and curse of osiris i think was uh, was pretty good uh pretty small from a story standpoint but i think they've added in a lot of uh mechanical things that uh, can make it can continue making it interesting for people who uh, want to keep playing that game. Totally. And so, on, in the spirit of DLC, I, I'm going to do this one really quick. Yeah. Uh, the, the Champions Ballad uh, went live. I want to say, like, I don't know, maybe it went live on the Game Awards, which was yeah. So I forgot what that when that was, like the 17th that, or something. 
17th or something of that nature. Um, I knew that this was coming out, Chase. I did not know a lot about it. I had assumed what it could be, and kind of the teaser for it made it look like you were going to be getting a story that involved the previous champions of Hyrule who helped the original battle with uh, Ganon take place. Uh, Bobby. I think, yes. Did you ride the motorcycle? No, not yet. Ugh, then I don't even want to hear it. Yeah, I'm working my way to it. So that's locked behind completing all the editions of this. So once you complete the main story for the uh, Champions Ballad, you'll get that. Um, so far, man, like, and this isn't, this is going to come across as like something I'm, I'm bumming about. Uh, it's not that they're bad. I enjoy them because I enjoy them in the other game. It's just been a lot of extra shrine stuff right now. I know I'm at a point where I'm starting to uncover things. Uh, I'm I'm doing uh, Mifa. I think that's her name, Mifa. Mifa's Grace. Yeah, that's the, yeah, the, the, the uh, power up you get. The Zora. Yeah, so I'm doing her her particular part of it first, and you're going through some shrines that she kind of did these trials with, and so I know at the end of it because I saw in the menu system that there's now because I had collected all the memories. There's un undiscovered memories at this point in time. And so I think that they might give you a little bit more some insight there. I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, this isn't that. I can tell you that much. Mm. Um, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I just thought that there might be... I thought you might control a champion a little bit more than what you are so far. And maybe that'll come. But uh, I, I feel like I put a lot of time in it to the point where I'm just like, okay, I think I know what this is going to be. And it's just... It's another excuse to go back to that version of Hyrule, which is really great. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was an easy sell for you to, like, hey, you want to play more of Zelda, that game that you love? Yeah. Well, yeah, and the, <clears throat> the nice thing is, is like the, the DLC for this game was 20 bucks, and that was both packs. And so that came, I mean, they had And you can't buy, buy it separately. Like, that sucked. Because yeah. I, I had no interest in playing that challenge stuff, but I could see some interest in playing this new story stuff, and that's uh, not possible. Yeah. So, so Chase, I, I gotta know, you were on the fence with with golf. I, I, I was not on the fence with golf. I, I'm pro, pro golf, pro golf games. Well, I'm saying whenever you, not, not. I'm sorry. Let me, let me back that up. You were on the fence with everybody's golf. I wouldn't even say that. I, I just, I hadn't played everybody's golf. The, the thing was. We had two golf games that came out around the same time. And yeah. one of them was Everybody's Golf, which looked like a very solid, cool golf game on the PS4. Uh, and then we had Golf Story, which was on the Switch. So it wins. Um, but we also had Golf Story that was an RPG that was very reminiscent of Mario right. Golf, which was like all the music to my ears. So Everybody's Golf just kind of fell by the wayside because I was way into uh, Golf Story. But uh, I think it was Black Friday or Cyber Monday or whatever where I got a really good deal on everybody's golf. I thought, well, this would be a really good cooldown game for yeah, totally. for after game of the year. So let's 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 pick it up. Why not? And I've been playing it, and I I like it a lot. There's there's good yeah. stuff in this game. It's it's very good. Uh, I I don't like the putting as much. I think the the uh, the adjustments are, I haven't gotten, I haven't clicked into 
how much I'm supposed to adjust my degrees to to make the putts in the right places. Totally. But um but I, I mean it has a, a pretty solid three hit system, like like all go- all golf games should. I do like the way it does its leveling up way more than the way golf story does its um because you get permanent upgrades, you right. uh will end up getting permanent upgrades to different clubs, which is interesting if you use if you use your big driver effectively and you continue to use your big driver effectively, your big driver gets better and now you'll hit it further and you'll hit it more accurately. And if you sink putts longer than 15 feet, your putter gets better. And these, this, all this stuff makes sense to me in kind of a Skyrim way of that's good. Yeah. Like I, if I, if I keep using these certain clubs, these are the clubs I want to get better. I want my sand wedge to be good. I want my putter to be good. I want my driver to be good. And I want, Right, like a a decent, I want Johnny a decent iron. You what? I want Johnny to be good. Yeah, well, that'll never happen. Um, but like it, it makes me almost use different clubs in a situation because I want this club to get better, or I want to. I'm going to aim for different uh, for different distances so I can use this club at its most effective range, so I can get better stats on it and then you'll you'll also be able to win tournaments or beat certain people in challenges that will just upgrade a whole club for free and it goes oh yeah hey all all the stats on this club got better and like all that stuff's really cool and the the character creation stuff is really cool which golf story doesn't have and for this game to say we totally open that up to you of now at the start of the game you have all of these options to, to choose from. And even once you've started the game, you'll continue to get new pieces. Uh, you'll, you'll beat people in tournaments or you'll beat right. single people in challenges and you'll get their outfits or you'll get certain aspects of their outfits. That that's now a lot you like the draw. elements of tiger woods golf too, which was really great. Yeah. And, and that's, that's awesome. I, I love that system a lot. Uh, they also have a shop where you can go in and buy specific items. And so far, all of those things have been super expensive, uh, like ridiculously oh, really? so. So uh, I'm fine just kind of playing matches against against other uh, AI characters and taking their outfits and and implementing what I want. And and even outside of outfits, they'll allow you to uh, to even get their swing styles. Like I beat this child who kind of uh, plays like um, like a uh, is it. Uh, happy gilmore yeah he, he kind of swings it happy gilmore style and right. oh i can now kind of choose to to uh, swing like him and i i just i like what they're doing a lot it just doesn't have much of a story to it and uh, it'd be better on the switch it would be better on the switch and and i just don't find myself playing a golf game on my couch on a big tv a lot that's right. just not the way i want to play that i want to have the portability and flexibility to play that with me because a, a whole of golf is a really short experience that I can play it in a portable setting. Right. So why, why not put it there? And okay. I, it's, it's good though. Like I, I could see the two of us uh, or, you know, the two of us plus whoever else wants to come in and we could just like shoot the shit on some Saturday and say, Hey, we're just yeah, going to play. Dude, we're going to play 18. And we're just going to chat and have a relaxing time and just play some golf. And that could be fun. Like I'll, I'll get to see what you've done with your character. You can see what I've done with mine. 
that seems like a really cool thing. And we don't even have to go to the golf course and get angry because we all suck at real golf. Like we can can have an actual fun time as we're doing it. So I like everybody's golf a lot. Uh, I still think Golf Story is the superior game just because it appeals to to my specific interests way more. Golf Story is a motherfucking chase game. It's It really, really is. But uh, everybody's golf is pretty good, too. Uh, I like some of the awesome. dialogue in the game, too. When you, uh, when you speak to certain people, like uh, I've beaten two of the four European idol singers. Uh, like there's a, <laughs> there's a, a group wow. of, of idols that... Uh, come around and and you have to play each of them. So I I think I beat the one from France and I don't remember what the other one was from, but uh, but they they kind of shit talk you a little bit. And all the people at the in the early stage of the game are like, yeah, I don't really play golf, but they gave me a club, so I'm here now. <laughs> it's it's, it's pretty great. Like I played a, uh, oh. the kid who swings kind of like a Happy Gilmore. Uh, is big into soccer. Like he wears soccer clothing and he talks about how much he loves soccer. And it's like, so yeah, I'm here to play golf. (laughs) Why, why are you here to play golf? If you love soccer so much, he's like, yeah, I don't know, but let's play. Good grief. Yeah. It's a fun time. So speaking of the switch chase, um, that's a console that, you know, I love. Uh, I picked up I picked up two games on that. Uh, one I'm just going to briefly mention because I I don't have a lot of time with it. Uh, there's two games on sale. First one I'm going to talk about was Overcooked. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about this game. Actually, you mentioned a guest on our podcast for the game of the year last year. Uh, that's Nate Heininger from the Short Game, mm-hmm. and Overcooked is a game that he and his wife uh, were really big champions for. He, they're really into couch co-op. I love, I've worked, I used to work in the service industry. Uh, I love to cook. I love video games. I love the Switch. All this made sense. <laughs> uh, I picked it up and I could see how this would cause a lot of anxiety for people. And I think that this is one of those that you had even made mention of. This is a game that I feel I would need somebody to be as good as me or better playing because I would be very frustrated with somebody who was not carrying their weight. And I would feel terrible if I was a person not carrying my weight. Absolutely. Like you, you wrote to me and said, Hey, we should play overcooked. And I wrote back, no, we shouldn't. (laughs) We should should not, we should not do that. Like I, I like being your friend. I want to keep being your friend and to do that. We probably shouldn't play this game together. So again, I haven't played enough of it to formulate an opinion. I played it by myself for a bit, but then I played it with my cousin's daughter and we had a great time. Sure. Uh, it, it's hard, man. Like it's, it's like if snipper clips was in your face screaming, like cut here, you idiot, you didn't cut here. Right. Why not? Like all sorts of time limits and things like, like snipper clips. I love because you can kind of take your time. You can reverse sure. anything. Strategize if you don't get it right, that. it's very player friendly and it's very puzzle like. Because you aren't on a strict time limit. And Overcooked right. is barely controlled chaos the entire time of just people right. yelling at each other, of the stage conditions changing midway through, and you having to just deal with it. Like, it's it's a really, it is a really nice encapsulation of the, uh, of the, uh, the old saying of, like, the best laid plans of mice and men. You yeah. can you can start out at the beginning. Okay, you you cook 
these things. I'm going to be on uh, on tomato duty. I'm going to slice tomatoes and I'll also wash the plates. And then like I think there's like a pirate ship one. So you, yes. you have that initially and then the ship sways and it moves all the, the stations around. And now it's a mad dash of, oh, fuck, I can't get to the tomatoes right. anymore. I can't Correct. do the job that I said. Correct. Uh, uh, Bobby, can you do this? Uh, well, well, I'm already doing this other thing. Well, yeah, fuck what you were doing because now you're doing this because I need to do these other things. And right. it's – there is a, a great – There's it's a really great premise and I don't think I ever want to play it. Like I said, I value our friendship too much to do that to you or for you to do there, that to me. There was uh, people watching the game who aren't big video gamers and they were saying things why would I want to play something that gives me anxiety in real life? Totally. I, I get that 100%. So, uh, regardless, uh, or irregardless, however you want to look at it. I choose uh, the one that's an actual word. So, regardless. Yes. Regardless. Um, we're going to play it. We're going to play uh, it. Now. All right. Well, it was nice being here, the other game, so I've spent a lot of time with it. You've played this game a lot. You've said all that I would want to say about it. For the sake of our audience and for the sake of time, I'm playing SteamWorld Dig 2. It's a very good game. It looks gorgeous. It deserves to be on the Switch. It works wonderfully there. Yeah, totally. I, I like That game ended up uh, surprising me. That I that I liked it as much as I did because I, I wasn't yep. expecting to like it that much because uh, I had concerns. Uh, I more, like it better than the first one. More importantly, we're yeah. getting another Switch game in the Steam World universe that is coming very soon and very perfect. Uh, we're getting yes. Steam World Heist. Steam World Heist is getting ported to the Switch, and I will buy that game for a third time and play it for a third time because that game is fucking good. Well, and considering the way I played that game was on a touchscreen the first time. Yeah. I, I'm do I actually wonder about that. Like, I, I would have to imagine you probably could play it with a touchscreen on the Switch. Honestly, man, it, it worked really well. Yeah. I, it I mean, fine. it's like it's a turn-based strategy game. <laughs> it, it should, it should yeah. work fine. Strategy 18, right? Strategy <laughs> um, 18. So even though it comes so, out December 28th, uh, it will be part of Strategy 18 for sure. I, that game's good. Oh, boy. So, Chase, I see that you have a Fire Emblem game listed it, here. Yeah, man. It wouldn't be twenty. It wouldn't be Strategy 18 without it. It wouldn't be the Casual Hour. It wouldn't be the Strategy 18. And it wouldn't be Chase without Fire Emblem. Yeah, so I, I have been playing Fire Emblem. Uh, Fire Emblem for the GBA, uh, which in Japan it would be Fire Emblem the Blazing Sword. But since it was the first Fire Emblem over here, they just called it Fire Emblem. And I... Uh, like I've I've played some older Fire Emblem games before. I, I think the oldest one I've played was Shadow Dragon on the DS, which mm. is a remake of the original one with Marth. <coughs> and and while I liked that game, uh, it it didn't super sing to me. And it wasn't until Awakening on the 3DS that I really got into Fire Emblem and have been deep into it ever since. So part of me felt a little bad that there are all these Fire Emblem games that people really love and cherish that I just have no, uh, no history and no understanding of. And I wanted to change that. And 
I, I've played enough Fire Emblem where I think I'm a pretty good strategist where I don't have to worry so much about losing units permanently. Uh, so I thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll give some of these a shot. Um, but I also did so after buying the strategy guides for them uh, because, one, I just wanted to own the strategy right. guides because they're filled with really cool art and and are just nice pieces. And then, two, it, it's nice to refer to them if I ever do run into any trouble. Totally. So I've been playing uh, the first Fire Emblem that came to America, and, and that one features... Uh, Lynn, who you might know from Smash Brothers uh, Brawl, I think she's a she's an assist trophy in that game. She's got a, a sword. She's got green hair yes. and just kind of goes around and slashes yes. you. Um, and then Ella Wood, who is Roy's father, and you know Roy from Smash Brothers. And then you wouldn't know who Hector is, but he's a, a big dude with a with an axe. And Roy. Uh, is in another Fire Emblem game that takes place after this one. And, uh, okay. and I also bought that one. That one was not in, uh, in English, but I, I purchased a translated version of that game, and I'm planning on playing that one as well. Anyway, uh, so I've been playing the original Fire Emblem on my GBASP, and it's pretty cool. I, it's, it's different in some ways from Awakening. It, it doesn't have a lot of features that We've come to to think of as as Fire Emblem features like the the marriage system and having kids and uh, transferring skills and that kind of stuff. But it does it does have elements of those things. It does it it very much feels like Fire Emblem and and it feels like Advance Wars a lot because of course it does. It's made by the same people and it's on the Game Boy Advance. It's using a lot of the same. Um, I wouldn't not necessarily say assets, but like it has the same. You can move around in these blue spaces, and you can attack on what these red spaces are. <clears throat> and uh, and I like the story that they're telling. I, I think the dialogue is written pretty well, and uh, you kind of feel for the characters. Uh, it's also interesting for me, after playing a lot of Fire Emblem Heroes uh, over this past year, that I know a lot of these lesser-known people like I, I don't know like I didn't know some people outside of the Lords like I knew who Lynn and Hector and Ellawood were but I didn't know who uh, Bartray was and now okay. I do like he's he's this guy who has an axe um, well I, I knew him from Fire Emblem Heroes and now now oh here he is in his in his actual game here he is talking to people and interacting with people and I know what his deal is now and, and that's kind of cool so uh uh, I've been playing a good portion of that. That game is interesting in that it has uh, a decent chunk of it is all of this kind of tutorial part. And that's because all... It has permadeath, right? Uh, it does have permadeath. So in that first part, if a character dies, they just uh, they just kind of retreat and you can find them again later in the game when you get to the quote-unquote real right. part of the game. Um, and because this game has three protagonists, it has... Lynn, Ella Wood, and Hector, they each have their own story. So that tutorial chapter is Lynn's chapter. So you go through Lynn's story, and now I'm on to Ella Wood's story. And and that's kind of where the big main game chunk is. And then Hector's story is supposed to be kind of like a, a side thing at the end, or like an alternate history kind of thing at the end, because I think you go through a lot of the same levels, but maybe they're slightly different in ways. Uh, anyway... It's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to kind of blaze through 
this game and and uh, the one with Roy and Sacred Stones, the three GBA ones, because what I really want to do, because it's Strategy 18, is go back through Awakening and maybe Fates, wow. and I kind of want to play Echoes again. I really like, I, I think... Uh, after talking about it on Game of the Year, I'm kind of itching to play play that game again and, and see some of the things it does. And of course, we have Fire Emblem, a new Fire Emblem game coming out on the Switch in 2018, and I know I'll be playing that, of course. So I kind of want right. to get all of this stuff done before that game comes out, because I imagine I'm going to play that game instead of any of these you're, once it does. You're laying out some time. I'm crazy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's a lot of stuff. And considering how stacked some of this early part of 2018 is going to be with stuff that I want to play, like Dragon Ball Fighter Z, uh, and and uh, Digimon Cyber Sleuth, uh, the Hacker's Memory, the, the second game in that series that I really am looking forward to. Um, oh, there was something else big coming in February that I was really excited about. I can't remember it now, but. Like there's there's stuff coming out, and I I need to find time to play some of these games. So I've been trying to play this game now, uh, and it's been cool. I I yeah. like I like it a lot. I'll I'll have more thoughts on it later as I get through kind of the main portion of the game. But uh, it, it's got some really nice animations, especially for a pixel based GBA game. When you get into the actual combat animations there's some really nice fluid pixel art going on. That's cool to hear. Cause that's yeah. an older console. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really nice. That's um, funny. and then, you know, no strategy 18 be, would be complete without a little XCOM, right? Yeah. So I've been playing some XCOM. I've actually been playing, been playing two different XCOM games. Um, so I, I love the first, uh, well, it's not the first XCOM game, but it's kind of the first in the reboot. Uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown, it came out a few years ago. And I, I think it was my game of the year back then. It was It's really, really good. Well, I did not know that. I didn't know that you, you were that into it. Oh, yeah. I, I love that game a lot. And then it had an expansion called XCOM Enemy Within that I didn't play because I it, you'd have to play through the whole game again. It was kind of like... It's kind of like an expansion pack that uh, it wasn't a whole separate story. It was just things that got integrated into the regular game. And, right. and I don't, I didn't think that I was ready to replay that game from the start with all this new stuff in it. Sure. So I just kind of put it by the wayside. And I've been thinking about that game a lot. Uh, and XCOM two came out. I think it was XCOM two came out last year. And or maybe it was this year, I don't remember. And it got bad reviews. People didn't like it. It didn't run very well. And I thought, all right, well, it came out last year. Yeah, I think it came out last year. the The DLC for it came out this year for sure. But yes. Um. So so I kind of stayed away. I didn't want to play XCOM two because it it sounded like it was going to kind of taint my memories of it. And I think originally it wasn't supposed to come to consoles, and it it has now. But. Right. Uh, that's but right, that's right. That originally, it was just going to be a PC game, so I thought, okay, well, I'll just never play that game. But I really like Enemy Within. And, and then I heard people talk about uh, XCOM 2 War of the Chosen, which is the, the DLC expansion part. And 
it sounded like the same kind of expansion as Enemy Within, that it adds a lot of new stuff. And I heard really great things, that it really fixed a lot of the problems that people were having with XCOM 2. And I thought, all right, well, I want to give that a shot as well. So, uh, but I I didn't want to put the money into it because you had to buy, because uh, I wanted to get a PS4 copy. For some reason, I was not able to find a PS4 copy of the bundle together. I could right. find it on Xbox One or I could find it on PC, but I couldn't find uh, couldn't find it for PS4. I could find it separately, though. I could buy XCOM 2 and then I could go download War of the Chosen afterward. How much was War of the Chosen? War of the Chosen is forty bucks. Like it's it's a oh, lot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot, especially because I paid. Uh, I think I paid like another twenty bucks for the XCOM two alone. So it ended up being a full price game at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, War, War of the Chosen is really cool. Uh, at the same time, right bef- as I was waiting for War of the Chosen to come out, I can't remember if I was talking to you or another friend who was asking about. Uh, cool uh, iOS games, and I mentioned, oh yeah, uh, XCOM Enemy Within is is on iOS devices. And as I told him that, it occurred to me, hey, XCOM Enemy Within is on iOS devices. <laughs> why why don't I take my own advice and and play that game again? Because I love that game, and you know, screw XCOM Two. Let's just play the game that I really like. And and I did. <laughs> or I've I've been playing some of that too. And now that uh, XCOM Two War of the Chosen came has come in, I've been playing them both kind of side by side. XCOM Enemy Within is currently ten dollars on iOS. It's universal. Mm-hmm. Works on both phone and iPad. And it's that supposed to have that. cloud saves. I haven't gotten my cloud saves to work right. Uh, Interesting. But I've I only really you- been playing on phone there, so it's. It's fine. That game has gone on sale multiple times. The two ninety nine. The if you're looking at like a time frame, it looked like December twentieth of twenty sixteen. It dropped in price, so uh, I'm going to keep an eye on it this week and see if it does go down. I got a deal alert set up on this website I use. It'll email me if that happens. Okay. Um, but if it doesn't, after like a week or two, I'll probably just go ahead and purchase it. It's. Uh, I really like that that first game. Um, enemy unknown slash within uh, right. does a lot of cool things. The The problem I find is I really like the combat part of it. I like putting together a squad. I like giving them, uh, giving them different weapons and different items to enhance their skills and then going down in there and getting into some tactical ass combat. I think that stuff's great. And the part that I don't like in that game is having to manage the rest of the world like to you have to build satellites and put them over uh over areas and and then there will be ufos and you have to go shoot them down but you need to make sure you have the right uh the right planes that can can go and shoot those guys down and i didn't care about any of that shit i just wanted to make like a really cool ground unit and go in and kick some ass so the first time i played that game um I, I did that, and I had this really kick-ass team of units because I spent all my money on them, and the world kind of fell apart around me because I wasn't building satellites, I wasn't uh, shooting down UFOs, I was just, if I right. had a mission, I was going to do that mission, and I didn't care about the rest of it. So I didn't play it very well, but I got through it, 
And, and I ended up having a great time because I just, I love that. I think it does a lot of really cool things with the combat. I like the Overwatch system. I like how uh, soldiers will have cooldown skills. Like you could, there's an assault class that has a skill called run and gun, where normally if you, uh, if you, you can make a move uh, in a certain area and then you can make a dashing move that you can go further, but it doesn't let you, you, uh, in XCOM you kind of get two actions per turn. So one action could be getting to the end of your uh, your regular movement, and then your second action would be dashing to an even further place. But you could also move to a regular spot and then shoot, or move to a regular spot and reload, or uh, move to a regular spot and throw a grenade, or or not move and just shoot. <clears throat> I, I, I can get behind all those things. Totally. It, it's It's a really well-playing strategy game nice, man. Uh, and, and yeah I, I love that game a lot and XCOM 2 brings in a lot of new features it, it kind of changes the way the classes work uh, it they all they're all similar archetypes there's still basically a guy who's your heavy with a big chain gun but he also right. does a lot more stuff with uh, grenades uh, there's a still he's there's the still Yoshi hmm? he's like Yoshi yeah like are you talking like kingdom <laughs> kingdom battle Yoshi? Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Um, and then there's like, there's still snipers in that game, but snipers work a little differently. And the, the skill upgrades that they get are different from the ones in enemy within. And it's that they do a lot of really cool things with the soldiers specifically in, especially around customization that I love. It was stuff that I found wanting in in enemy within so like if you recruit a new soldier in enemy within uh what you can do is change that soldier's name and nationality and his armor a little bit or you can't change his nationality sorry you can change his name uh you can change a couple of other things but he's he's going to be where he's from so i i would kind of have to like buy a bunch of units and then wait for the one from the country that i wanted my character to be from like i wanted my guy to be british a british sniper so i needed one to wait for a guy who was british and then when he leveled up to the part where he actually gets a class the classes were randomly assigned so i would really need to get super lucky to have my british guy become a sniper before i change his name to chase kaneki uh that's fair and then all of those guys were disposable. Like if you, if they got killed, they were permanently gone and that would suck if I had to wait all this time in XCOM two, they say, Hey, you know what? We know you wanted that. So we're just going to let you do it. Uh, right. so now I can change nationality. I can change all sorts of things. Uh, they even have a place where you can add a backstory if you want. And, and that's kind of cool. Except if you're on PS4 like I am. A little fan fiction? Uh, Maybe the dream comes back? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, the only problem is if you are on a PS4 like I am, typing all that shit on the virtual uh, keyboard that they have on there is terrible. But on PC, I'm sure it's great. Um, uh, you can actually use the PS app on your iPhone. Mm, and pull the keyboard up and type on that. That also sounds like a hassle that I'm not going to do. But <laughs> but I, I'm sure you yeah. could. Um, and, and what's even better is that you can build, a build a place in your base where you can 
level a unit and specifically make them the kind of unit that you want them to be. There's a there's a place where I can say, okay, you're getting special training to be uh, heavy, or in this case, they're called a grenadier. So I yeah. need I need a grenadier on my team. My last grenadier just died. You're going to go to this training barracks, and you are going to be my new grenadier. And now I can't. Now I'm at least guaranteed that I won't get into a spot where I have to take four snipers on a mission. Right, that a, team of, a team of four snipers is going to get fucking ripped up by, by some people because sure. they can only do so many things. Sure. Um, uh, but they've also added the ability for characters to bond with each other and they get extra bonuses by being bonded, but then they will also take huge penalties if one of those people dies because the other one will be heartbroken in a way. So right. uh, one of our friends, yeah, uh, friend friend of the show part of the show johnny amazich uh he's in my game used to be part of the show no <laughs> yeah. longer part of the show right um he's a support unit uh in my in my game and his lovely wife who is also uh one of my uh former work friends uh misty uh she's a sniper in my game and it just so happened that they were very compatible and they've bonded to the point where where they're now, uh, you know, they're now, uh, they don't have like marriage and children like in Fire Emblem, but they at least have this bond between them now. And when they bond, you can make them, make a poster of them together. And you can build the poster yourself, or they can just randomize and give you one. <laughs> and it's really great. It's so dumb, and I love it. Ah. Oh, that's wonderful. It's It's fantastic. Uh, and Bobby, you, you of course are also in my game, uh, of XCOM two, you are a grenadier. You're my, you're my big jolly grenadier. You've got a cigar in your mouth cause you look cool Naturally. when you're doing it. You got your big beard and your glasses and your shiny bald head yep. and, uh, and you're Russian for, cause I decided you need to be like big Russian bear. Might <laughs> as well be bear from Russia. And, uh, we're all Russian now. What I also yeah. love, even though it's all customizable, so I could go in and fix it, but I'm not going to fix it. When you reach the rank of sergeant, I believe you're the highest ranking unit on my team uh, for now. Wow. Uh, you got to the rank of sergeant before anybody else did. They give you a nickname. They auto generate a nickname for you and I can go in and change it. But again, not going to because your nickname, big country. Bobby Big Country Peas, my grenadier. <laughs> That's great. It's awesome. It's it's That's such a awesome. good game. Uh, I'm honored. <laughs> there, there are certain things that I don't like in it. I, I think it has way more stuff that you have to deal with with the world. And that's the stuff I didn't really care for in Enemy Within. And there's just even more of it now. And it's a little overwhelming, honestly. And I just oh, get, sure. I just, I just want to get to another mission where I can go shoot some stuff, uh, and I can get back into that tactical chess style combat that I really, really love. And and dealing with all this other bullshit is not exactly what I signed up for. Uh, and the other big problem, it runs like dog shit on my PS4. I have a, I have a base original PS4, not a slim, not a pro, and this game. Fucking oh, runs bad. Like you could use the pro. Uh, maybe, honestly, maybe the load times in this game are terrible. 
there's there's a sequence when you're about to go on a mission. They give you the mission briefing, and there's this really dramatic camera angle that starts to slowly zoom in on your. Uh, so, like you know, because uh, you're about to talk about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds a little bit. You know how in that game, and you're on the plane, and mm-hmm. you can see everyone around you. That's kind of what this is. You're all in the the Halo Pelican or the the plane together, yeah. and the the camera's kind of zooming in because everybody's looking to the front of the plane where this screen is that's showing you the mission briefing, and it also says loading there at the bottom of the screen, and and it's just zooming in slowly, slowly, slowly. Oh God! And then it starts zooming out. And the music stops playing and the briefing's done. And I go, okay, well, obviously this is the part on PC where it would have said I could start the game now. And because it's still loading on the fucking console, now it's just going through a loop of me having to wait even longer before it actually figures out that I can play. Uh, It's crashed on me once uh, in a very inopportune place. Uh, and just that sounds it, like what I'm gonna be talking about. It just runs super slowly and super poorly all the time. Uh, you can change units' voices. You mm-hmm. can like they have different nationalities or they have different Englishes of different ways. They have like ten different American accents. They have a few British accents, a few uh, Australian accents, and it has a little button there where you can preview it. And, oh, that'd be great! I want to hear what American English two is. And I hit the button, and I hear nothing. Okay, that, that's weird. I hit the button again, still nothing. What I, have, what I end up having to do, I have to hit the button ten times and just like smash on it, and finally the game catches on that, oh, that's what you wanted to hear, and it plays all ten different sound samples oh, at the same no. time. Good God. And then I can press it one more time to hear, to hear it now that it's caught up. And as soon as I move it down to American English number three, I have to go back through the same process. So at this point, I've just said, I don't, I don't fucking care what your accent is. I'm just going to pick a random American right. English accent uh, or British American or British English accent and go with it. I don't know what it sounds like, but I'm sure it's fine because I'm not going through this trouble. And it's just, oh, it's a hassle. Even, even when. Uh, it's coming back to your turn. Like the aliens have moved around and it's now your turn and it doesn't quite focus on your character, but it's starting to kind of like load in things that would show it's your turn. They show like how far away you can move. They show some different things. They show some different UI things. And then it pops up the thing that's, Oh, Hey, it's your turn. Yeah. Thanks game. It, It doesn't seem like a game that should run like shit. It, it doesn't it's not that graphically intensive it's it's pretty me, but it's not like super lush or anything it's let me tell you about a game that weird. is expected to run like shit yeah uh, please please tell me about this other game that also runs like garbage uh so i believe today or tomorrow is the actual release day for player unknown battleground officially on pc on pc so they just reset their servers 1.0 is going live. Uh, there's a new map that goes alongside it mm-hmm. that is going to be a desert map. Um, this game came out on last Friday or, or Tuesday. No, what day did it come out? Uh, I think uh, it came out. I think it came out Tuesday. I don't know. It was, it was a Tuesday. So this game came out on Tuesday. Um, 
Player on Battleground on the Xbox. In 48 hours, they sold a million copies of this game in early access. Yeah. The, you go to buy this game, game preview program for, for Microsoft. Correct. And fuck Chase, it is rough. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen a little bit of footage from that, and yeah, it does not it does not run smoothly. Now this game came out of its original launch, and it has a patch that came out, I believe, last night on the Xbox, and that's mm-hmm. supposed to help improve a lot of the performance abilities of it. But uh, I don't think that that's what people come to this game for. At least that's what I'm picking up on. They don't come for polished graphics, and it's funny because it says on the box like this is an enhanced xbox one x game and the only thing i can think of is to your point about what you're saying with xcom it just runs like shit i mean it runs so hard on the on the product that like i think even the xbox one s is just stuttering with this game right now and that's not to say that it won't get better like yeah it is in the preview program it's a game that means a lot to microsoft so they're gonna they're gonna make sure that that game gets the attention that it needs uh, so it's going to get there, but this is really this is really there to appease those people like like me, I guess, that would never play that game on a PC because I don't have a PC. Uh, I don't like my MacBook Pro can probably run that game, but that, I just don't want to play games on my computer like that. Right. I want to play it on a big, beautiful TV on my console and make it easy. And and right now, like I, I still don't think i want to play that game at all i'm I'm happy watching other people play it but i i this is not giving me confidence that i need to pick this game up right now i i feel like i can um, still well, wait let me say this much time. i have not played it since the patch went live and everything i've read and heard is that it's a big improvement that's good but the the initial go out with this game i was just like man this is fucking the shooting feels mechanically wrong it looks terrible um, it was just really, really bad. But I think that they have a pretty solid patch out for it right now. Um, this was a game that like I heard so much about to where it's like it's like when somebody's like, dude, you gotta watch this, you gotta watch this, you gotta watch this, and you're just like, I know, everybody loves it, and then yeah. you go to watch it and you're like, I don't get it. It's not for me. And I'm not saying that's the case at all. I'm saying that it was a situation where I just didn't know, like, how could this potentially be the game that everybody's making it out to be? And it, like, there was even people comparing this game to like Mario and Zelda this year. I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> this game's not even done yet. And so, here's what I'll say. And again, I, I apologize. I'm kind of hitting a wall here. I've been up for almost a day. That is fair. Uh, uh, it is. It is definitely a unique experience. Um, I have played this on single player and I've played this uh, as a duo because there's three settings. There's single, duo, which is you and another person, and then squad, which is four. On uh, You're in a group of four. Uh, I think it can and, be three or four. Correct, three or four. And so doing the duo has been really interesting. Uh, I've played with uh, a few different people, but... When you drop into the game, it's a little panic-inducing because you're like, oh, fuck, I don't have anything, but there's people around me. Right. And you get into some fisticuffs, and it just gets to be fucking brutal with, like, how bad people come and get it. And it's just, like, cutthroat, man. But, like, I found that, for me, the way I enjoy the game, I like to start away from the action, kind of get some stuff under my belt, and then move in and post up spots. And just let things get spicy and come in and take advantage of it. Right. 
Um, I, I mean, it's it's an endlessly fascinating game to me. I, I think it has a lot of merit in the game design of it and the way that people right. are gaming it themselves and the strategies people are coming up with and and the way uh, the way different people approach that game. All super fascinating stuff, and that's why I really enjoy watching people play it. I just I don't need another multiplayer shooter in my life, especially not a shooter that is multiplayer only. And I'm not saying I think this game needs a campaign mode. That's not that's not what this right. game is. But even if this game is huge and goes on and lives for 10 years, there's still. I, I don't know, maybe it's like a preservation aspect where I just I I don't want to play a game and know that 10 years later, I'm not going to be able to play that game again. Uh, I just kind of wish that there was a, uh, like a bot mode where you could learn the map. Yeah. No, that'd be cool. And like, just learn kind of like how to go and like find these spots. And because I mean, if you're trying to explore, you're going to get killed. Right. And it just be, it would be neat to be able to, to do that. Um, here's, here's what I'll say. Like, I want to play this game with the patch because I'm really distracted by like how poorly it performed. Right. And I think if I could play this game, uh, where it was functioning, like as I expect a game to function and maybe there's just been like their servers were getting hit so hard that they quite hadn't figured that out. I want to, I want to give this game like a fair shake and, and a fair assessment on the show after properly playing it. And so that's my plan right now. I'm going to continue to play. I've been playing this game quite a bit. And I've got a lot of mixed emotions because of what I pre- preconceived it to be and what it ended up being for me. Yeah. And I want to talk at length about that, but I, I really, just for the sake of my sanity and those who are listening, I want to sleep and I want <laughs> to make sure that I can get uh, a better thought about how it mechanically is functioning. Well, let me ask you one final question uh, yeah. before we head out here. Uh, we just had our game of the year and mm-hmm. now you've played player unknowns battlegrounds has your game of the year stuff changed at all after that? No. <laughs> yeah, I didn't and expect it to. But I, I mean, here's the thing: it's just like even if, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, the game's not done. Yeah, it's a small sample size, and it's also a bad sample. Like you, you're not getting yeah. that game at the way it should or could be, and and so yeah, it's it's leaving a bad first impression. Uh, but but like you said, maybe once it is all patched up, maybe once you've gotten more time with it that your opinion could change uh, it's a this is going to be a really big statement okay this is going to uh, be really big if they can get the, the kinks worked out and add some quality of life stuff into that game the concept and the premise of it in my opinion could overtake that call of duty crowd and especially like with the last few games of that that's been out and just like the trajectory that's happening there for both franchises, yeah. I think that this could over. I think this could absolutely be the game that people are like, "I want I want my new maps. I want my new gear. Like, let's get me some new." Yeah, uh, I, I don't even think map. that's that big of a statement. I, I think that's just happening. You, you see that mm-hmm. happening, especially on the PC side of of this game being one of the biggest games of all time right now. Uh, I think yeah. like one of the only things that's bigger than it is League of Legends, which is weird to me in a different way, but, yeah. um, but yeah, like this, this game is huge and the style of, of combat is, is interesting and it's definitely catching on and you see games like Fortnite totally changing their, their 
strategy of, of what their game even is to accommodate this stuff. And I, I would have to think that a game that Activision and, and the Call of Duty developers, whoever has the reins for the next one, are looking at that and going, yeah, we could we should make a mode like that and just putting right. that putting that mode into the next Call of Duty because why wouldn't you at this point? Right. Yeah, more to come on that. Um, but as we as we button this up here, Chase, it's been great to exhale a little bit this past few, uh, week and just yeah, it's been great to exhale. It's been great to XCOM. Yeah, <laughs> exhaling and XCOMing. That's great. Oh. Uh, so we have we mentioned earlier that we have the casual thoughts uh, section that we're going to be putting the dream segment up onto, huh. but we also have. Uh, Chase did a really nice job, as I previously mentioned, um, recapping our game of the year. So if you if you've listened to a little bit of the episode, or if you're just kind of you know fatigued from game of the year stuff, and you want to get the quick run on what we're we're talking about, uh, please go to the casual thoughts and check that out. Our website is thecasualhour.com. We have a contact page if you want to ask us any questions, or if there's any games that you've been enjoying uh, in a post game of the year environment please share with us uh if you want to see what we're up to on twitter or see some of the artwork that we do for our episodes we are at the casual hour on both twitter and instagram um if you want to email us directly it's the casual hour gmail.com chase you recently put up some really great episodes for your other podcast that you host which is gamers on the go yeah Uh, what's happening there uh, yeah, I put up our, our Game of the Year episode uh, that talks about all the handheld games of the year with my friends Pierce Corshane and Matt Jaguar, who are frequent guests on that show. Um, and even though you know my number one is Monster Hunter Stories, because my, my number one overall is, is Destiny, and so far that game's not handheld. Uh, right. That, uh, that, yeah, so you can hear me talk more about Monster Hunter Stories as well as other other handheld games on that you can find that at gamers on the go.com and our uh, twitter for that is at g-o-t-g podcast awesome and it's a really great show you guys please go listen to it um, i need to have you on again well, like we need to play yeah, i want to let's let's find something to talk about and we'll i think there on. might be one that i played today that we could talk about mm, i think i know which one you're talking about so um anytime chase it'd be an honor but with that being said, uh, we're going to wish all of you a happy holiday or whatever you celebrate. Be safe. Listen to some good podcasts. Play some good games. And we hope to have you back on next week sometime. Also, Thanks. download yes. the Near Automata soundtrack. It is so good. I, I decided I wanted to go back and, and download some soundtracks for video game stuff that came out this year. Uh, I only ended up downloading two. It was Near and it was Sonic Mania. And I do not regret either of them, but especially the Nier Thomas soundtrack. It is so good. God damn it, Bobby, you need to play more of that game. But also that music is just fucking kick ass. Cool. Well, thank you guys. 